Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. This is God's word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Please be seated. As we go to a time of prayer, I want to encourage you and remind you to be praying for our turkey team, Alan Weisenberger and Paul Shibley and Dan Martin. Alan left on Friday. Dan and Paul are leaving tomorrow. And as you know, this is a special Sunday. We have two guest preachers. Our good friend Newton Chilangulo is preaching first and second hour. And then he'll be in the anchored class third hour. And he'll be teaching uh, third hour on planting churches that plant churches. We also have uh, Sandala Mawanje, who is going to be preaching third hour. And he's in some classes right now. But I want to introduce Newton, if you've never met him. He's one of our missions partners, one of our missionaries. We've known him about 12 years now, but we just brought him on last year as one of our missions partners. He lives in Lalongwe, Malawi. He pastors Reformation Bible Church. He and his wife, Vanessa, have three children. Uh, he also works with uh, Central Africa Preaching Academy, which is a, uh, a uh, training center of the Master's Academy International that we are associated with. And Newton's one of my favorite preachers and a really good friend. So I'm always glad to have him here preaching. And he'll be coming up in just a moment after I pray and after we sing another song. But now let's go to a time of prayer and focus in on, on the Lord and who he is and what he does. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are and what you do. We acknowledge, Lord, that you do all things well. That you are great and you are greatly to be praised. That you are good and you are glorious and you are gracious and merciful and magnificent and kind and compassionate and faithful and forgiving. Lord, we admit that we have sinned, that we have neglected your word, we have neglected your ways and your will, and we have stumbled and we have often high-handedly disobeyed what you have clearly said. And Lord, we do not want to trample upon your grace or upon the blood of your cross. We need your mercy, Lord. We need your mercy to alleviate the misery that our sin has brought upon us and others. We know that, Lord, when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, we admit we have sinned against you and we need your forgiveness and your cleansing and we thank you, Lord, that your blood continually cleanses us, that the blood of Christ is all sufficient to save and to give us grace and to give us grace to live holy lives that are empowered by the Holy Spirit and to deny ungodliness and worldly <laughs> desires and to live righteously and soberly in the present world, knowing that sin no longer has dominion over us, but that we can walk in newness of life and in freedom in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace you grant us to gather regularly as a church. And may we never forsake the assembly. May we never neglect to pray for one another. May we always submit ourselves to you and to one another in the fear of Christ. Grant us, Lord, to weave our lives together in brotherly love, that we would rejoice with the rejoicing, that we would weep with the weeping, that we would have tenderness and sympathy as we bear the burdens and sorrows of those who weep. Lord, we pray that for your glory we would leave, live peaceably with all people as far as it depends on us and that we would be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And that by your grace we would deal biblically with 
any conflict, we would put the welfare of others before our own. And even, Lord, by your enabling, that we are able to, to give of what you have given us, that we give of our time and our talents and the money you have given us, Lord, that we would contribute cheerfully to the support of your work and use the resources and spiritual gifts that you've given us to bless even to the ends of the earth as you use them. Lord, we pray that you would be honored and exalted and glorified in and through your church and through the preaching of your word here today and to the ends of the earth. We pray all of this because of Jesus, who he is and what he does. We pray in his name. Amen.
come together and draw our hearts to you. Lord, we pray in the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Bible, I'd like to invite your attention to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number one. We'll be looking at verses 29 to 39. Mark chapter one, verses 29 to 39. So you're making your way there. Let me just uh, first thank you, uh, the church, for your support, your prayers, and all you do uh, for us, and also need to appreciate your pastor, whom I've known for about uh, 12 years. I don't know what you do with this information. He didn't ask me to say this. But uh, in your past, you have a man that loves Christ, loves the church. He prioritizes his family. And you've got a man who does all those, those things. It means you have a good pastor. And I'm not saying this. I'm not asking for a raise. <laughs> but... Or to say, don't take that for granted. Not every congregation is blessed to have the pastor that you have. Mark chapter 1, I'll be reading from the ESV. Verse 29. And immediately left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons, and would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on the next towns, that I may preach there also. For this is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. May the good Lord who knows how to bless Bless the reading of the word. Amen. So I've titled the sermon, A Day in the Life of Jesus. A Day in the Life of uh, Jesus. I don't know if have you ever met someone who is coming from a hard, long day. And this person is looking forward to rest. Perhaps maybe... You know somebody, oh, this could be you, because I know some of you have to drive for over an hour to work, and then you come back, and uh, I know your traffic can sometimes be, uh, you know, insane. <laughs> sometimes you're tired. All you're looking forward when you get home is what? Rest. Rest. And then you come home, you're welcomed by a crying baby. <laughs> or maybe even worse. You come home after a long day. The house is not taken care of. And instead of you having me time, after a mentally and emotionally draining day, you can't just have that. And when you have a busy day like that, sometimes you can justify your need for rest. Perhaps maybe you begin to negotiate with yourself. God will understand if I can bypass an opportunity to serve. After all, it has really been a difficult day. All I need now is me time. Heard of me time? Can you relate? Because you can't. Well, Jesus had far worse than you and I will ever experience. But how did he respond? How did his day look like? Maybe context may help us here. We come to verse 29, but you don't need to go to TMS or Tabu to understand that verse 29 comes before verse 28, right? So what we are seeing in verse uh, 
the verses that come before our passage, verse 21 to 28, uh, there is a healing of the man of unclean spirit. This was a Sabbath service. And as the Sabbath is going on, a man now manifests some demons. And it's interesting. We are told Jesus Christ, he simply spoke to this man and he listened just like that. And if you had to go to chapter number four, there was the calm, the coming of the storm. We were told when the disciples were panicking, all Jesus Christ did to the storm is to say a word. And the storm calmed. And then we sing in verses chapter one here, yeah, the man of the demon, just like that, he obeyed. And then maybe Mark was telling Peter, you know, even my dog doesn't obey that good. Or my kids don't obey that good. Just the word, they obey. And that's why we find ourselves uh, here. And if you want to look with me at the passage and notice the three headings you are considering in verses 29 to 39. First, I want to see Jesus' compassion. The compassion of Christ as he cares for the sick and for the needy. That's in verses 29 to 34. Then secondly, Jesus' uh, communion that he has with God the Father as he comes part of time to pray in verse 35. So compassion, then communion, and then finally, Jesus' commission. He's sent on a particular errand in verses 36 to 39. He has come, we are told, to preach so it's compassion, communion, and commission. So, let's begin. First, compassion. Now, can you imagine what happened after the scene in the synagogue? Someone's uncle had demons cast out of him. And it is not hard to believe that this was no ordinary church service. This was mentally, emotionally, Draining. And Mark sharing this story, excuse, and Mark sharing us this story, the story must have heard from uh, Peter. I can imagine Peter saying, You know what, young man? You should have been there. We were in the synagogue and something astonishing happened. Mark is like, Hmm. And Peter says, You can imagine someone with demons was taught to shut up, and he did. What? No resistance, no retaliation. No, Jesus simply said, be silent and come out of him. That's what I was saying, chapter 1, verse 25. Then what happens? Peter seemed to be telling Peter, then we went home after this long day in a synagogue. And you know what happens after this long sermons? What are you looking forward to? To go home and rest or have Food. But what happens there? As they go home to have food, guess what happens? The chef is sick. The chef is down. The chef is sick in bed after church. This was Peter's uh, mother-in-law. And we were told she had fever. So the chef didn't prepare lunch. And after all, this was a long day. But what we are seeing here is we are told that uh, Jesus took her by the hand. Peter was telling Mark, this, that's, that's what he did. Mark perhaps is asking, that's it? He didn't do like he did with other people. Remember where some people were sick, you know what Jesus do? You put mud on their eyes or put some clays. And then some of them would tell them, go to uh, Shalom and wash yourself, right? But here we're told nothing like that happens. You know the times where Jesus Christ would do all those things, but it was to communicate something. But what I want you to see here, what Jesus is communicating with the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, he's com communicating his compassion. It was purposeful. Peter's mother-in-law's healing taught us his compassion. Again, Peter's perhaps telling Mark, man, I was worn out that day. So was John and James. And I thought by this time, Jesus Christ would rest. But 
When we went home, we saw my mother-in-law, and guess what? He didn't focus on himself, the fact that he was drained mentally and otherwise. He responded by healing her immediately. And we were told what happened when he healed her. The fever left her. No symptoms of the fever. This is real healing. This is instant healing. Now, a comment on healing before we consider her response. Jesus healed real diseases. In fact, Peter calls this a high fever. Mark just said fever. So who do we listen to? Mark was a medical doctor. Excuse me, Luke was a medical doctor. So we listen to Luke's version, right? In other words, this was probably a life-threatening fever. And mind you, they also did not have, as you have it today, advanced um, medical services. So the fever was no doubt life-threatening. But the point is, Jesus healed real diseases. And people were healed instantly. Why? He had authority to do so. After all, one of the purposes of this gospel is so that you may know, I mean, he tells us, if you're to look at the very beginning, Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yes, Mark is presenting Jesus as the Son of Man, but he's not just the Son of Man, he's also the Son of God. And as the Son of God, he has authority over all. And what we're seeing here, he did all that with compassion. But enter today's so-called healers, at least where I come from. They charge you for that. And many times they heal illnesses that are hardly verifiable. So some will say, you know, my leg was longer than the other one. How do I prove that? And they usually do this to make a name for themselves. Now I want you to listen, my dear brothers and sisters. That's not compassion. In fact, I'll go to say, to parade people and then say you've healed them if you, when you have not healed them, that's nothing but demonic. And we see that even on uh, TBN. You guys know TBN? TBN is an American channel and nothing has been exported to our country. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, most of these so-called healings are just not verifiable. How many people do you know were healed of COVID by these healers? Do you remember when you had lockdown? Even them, they were on lockdown. Right? So they were waiting for COVID to somehow, I don't know what's the, what's the, what's the right word, for them to come back to business. But the point is, Jesus heals, right? He healed then and he heals now. He had authority to do so. He still has authority to do that today. And he, has, he had entrusted this gift of healing to his apostles. Men that were uniquely gifted to be able to heal people and people were healed Instantly, like we see in the book of Acts, chapter 3, when Peter healed the man that was crippled from birth, they begged him for money and said, Silver and God, I don't have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, do what? Rise. The man rose right there. That was instant. And I tell you, that gift is not there today. This apostolic gift. However, this is not the same to say that God is not healing. God can be able to use any of you if you're in Christ through prayer. He can still use that. But when he does that, it doesn't mean that he has entrusted you with the gift of healing the way he did the apostles. But I want you to see something. Jesus Christ has healed this lady, Right? Guess what? How she responds to that? How does she respond? Hmm? What? Serves. I think this is very important to, to notice. 
She was immediately serving them. I believe this is appropriate response to Jesus' compassion. And we know many others who have actually done this. Remember the lady uh, Mary Magdal Mag Magdalene? You did this? Some people accused him of, why are you wasting so much money to buy expensive perfume? And what was her response? She was responding out of what Jesus Christ has done for her. Now, you know, I don't pretend to many to know a lot of things. But I'm puzzled by dispassionate Christians. People who say they're in Christ, their sins have been forgiven, but they're just dull. You look at them, they're just dull. I do believe of all people, the most joyous people should be Christians. Because whatever is happening for a Christian, your greatest need has been met. But those that understand that, the appropriate response is that of service. What is the biggest compassion a Christian has received? It's not the healing of physical illness, but spiritual illness. Jesus came to do just that. This is why he came to die on the cross. A very painful death. And writing to the Thessalonians, here's what he told them. He said, you have turned to God from idols. For what purpose? To serve the living and true God. Is this true of you? As you're coming here, perhaps the Lord has now met you. He has given you the gift of all gifts. The gifts of forgiveness is now, is your life marked by service? Are you the first one to sign up for service at this church? Out of enthusiasm for what Christ has done for you. And are you making that your business that people should know what has happened to you? Like there was once a very talkative lady who came to know the Lord Jesus Christ under the ministry of uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And she came to Spurgeon on one occasion to explain to him the blessing she had received under his preaching ministry. Oh, Mr. Spurgeon, she said, Christ has changed my life and he shall never hear the end of it. Is that your response? When Jesus breaks into our lives, in his love, in his grace, when his compassion begins to set our lives right, our response should be the same as Simon's mother-in-law here that Sabbath afternoon when she begins to serve out of compassion that she has received. Or the same as this lady under Spurgeon's ministry, he should never hear the end of it. Our lives are to be now devoted to him because of what he has done for us. I don't think you have this problem here, but where I come from, find a lot of people in the church just grumpy, complaining. I know there's no problem like that here. <laughs> Compassion calls us to serve. So Peter's mother-in-law is healed, verses 30 to 31. Now, will Jesus have his me time now? Will he have his peace and quiet now? As soon as the sun goes down, the Sabbath is over, is it not? But guess what happens? The crowd starts to come. That's verse 32 and following. That evening at sundown, they brought him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Why are they coming at sundown? Because in, in their understanding, healing on the Sabbath was considered what? Sin. Now the sun has gone down. Now they bring all the people that are sick, that are oppressed to this miracle man. No doubt, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law has gone viral without social media. So, we see his compassion not being just limited to Peter's mother-in-law, but it's now spreading far and wide. 
But now they're bringing all these people. It's the end of the Sabbath. Always sick or oppressed by demons. Now notice the distinction. Sick or oppressed, right? Perhaps maybe some were just epileptic. Or could it be maybe some people showed up with a seizure? Yet sometimes people can just take advantage of that and put that on camera. I believe we, all of us know here what it means to be sick physically. But what does it mean to be oppressed by demons? It means demons possess and take control from within the person, so much so that the demons can start actually speaking through the person, as we see in verses 21 and 28 before our passage. This may take the shape of personality change. I don't know where you stand with this, but I believe if you are in Christ, you are endowed by the Holy Spirit, demons cannot possess you from within. But because of disobedience, you can be influenced by them, but not necessarily possessed. But what, the point is not that. The point here is Mark, he seems to want us to make it clear. Sickness, even oppression from demons, is no big deal for the Son of God, who has authority over all things, including demon possession, even as we see in chapter 4, including nature. No big deal. And Mark says he healed many, but in Luke's version he says he healed them all. Point is, is there any condition Jesus doesn't have authority over? Is there a demon that can resist his command? Okay, maybe let me ask differently. Do you have problems? Do you have any concerns as you listen? Do you have any burdens? Are those burdens, concerns, whatever case may be, too big for Jesus? No? So why not joyous? Why not walking in victory? Because the point Peter, excuse me, Mark is making here is that even that is not a big deal for Jesus. You know, sometimes you can hear this and yet say, I'm hearing you, Newton, but my situation is unique. Is it unique? Whatever burden you may have come with, is it unique? Jesus' compassion is widespread. Finally, the crowd clears. The last needy person has been healed. You know, these so-called healers, when they see your case is real, they try to take you away from the cameras because you are not good for business. But not of Jesus. They were healed. Or at least those who wanted healed, they were healed. You expect now you have his peace and quiet, right? It's been a long day. But look at verse 35. Or you expect to have a prolonged rest. After all, if you have had a long day, you want to sleep in. Do you call it sleeping? At least to sleep a bit longer, right? You do sleep in? Will Jesus sleep in? Look at verse 35. Now, in second point, we have looked at his compassion. Now, look, let's look at his communion. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And as I was looking at this, I'm like, uh, I'm not so sure we're here in Orange or California. Early, early in the morning, what time is that? I know back home, but here what time is early in the morning? While it's still dark, what time is that? Five, 4.30? Five is still dark, oh, okay. Five is quite light back home. My point is, it's common practice for many of us, right, to justify our sleep more than we should, but especially if we had a long day before. But verse 32 will say, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, stop there. Again, what time is that? Very early, right? 
Let's continue reading. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He went to a place where it was desolate. He was alone. He left his disciples and were told he prayed. Wow. This is both challenging and encouraging, is it not? It is challenging in the sense that the divine sign of son of God, who has all authority to heal the sick and oppressed, the God of very God, the one who is the creator of this universe, the one who's just a word, he brought this word into existence, the one who has no need, saw the need to pray. He saw the need to set aside time to pray. How do you think he prayed? Have you been encouraged to use the acronym ACTS? Adoration, confession. Confession will be a problem for Jesus, right? Confess what? He had no sin. Definitely pray the prayer of adoration, thanksgiving, and supplication. But the question is, why did he do this? And I think this should be a challenge for you and I. Jesus Christ, he prioritized communion with his Father. But look at your own heart. Look at your own weaknesses. Look at your own frailties, your proneness to sin, proneness to unbelief, not be able to do what you're supposed to be doing. Unable to love the way you should love. Doing what that has been forbidden. Don't you need to pray? Here's Jesus. All-powerful, holy, harmless, separated from sin and sinners. He needed to pray. And if he needed to pray, how much more do you and I? There's a challenge here, isn't there? He's a divine son of God. He's also the son of man. 100% God, 100% man. As a man, he needed strengthening. It is not only challenging, but it is also encouraging. I hope it is for you. How is this encouraging? I do understand that you guys are busy here. And it's a good thing to be busy, because if you're busy, you have less time for junk. But here is it. Here is the point. As busy as you are, you'll never be as busy as Jesus. Can you be able to say, I'm too busy? Are you busier than Jesus? Yet Jesus, as busy as he was, he set aside time to be alone with his father, in communion with his father. That's how a day in the life of Jesus Christ looked like. And you and I many times, when we are so busy, we can easily justify not having time alone with God in prayer, even in fellowship with the Lord's people. Sometimes we can abandon church or abandon home groups because I am that busy. But Jesus Christ prioritized that. And Martin Luther said, and I quote, I will be so busy tomorrow, so I need at least three hours to commune with God. At least what? He says, at least three hours. Man, I'm just convicted. I cannot lie to you that I've been praying even for an hour this week. He says he's going to be busy. And many times, when we're being busy, that's when we justify not being alone with God in prayer. How is your prayer life? How is your time in the Word? John Piper says in a quote, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp is a good explanation that our lack of communion with God is not time, end quote. If you don't agree with that, you take it on Piper. A day 
in our lives is full of online presence, but offline of God. Let's bring this to an end. A day in the life of Jesus was full of acts of compassion and commitment to his communion with his Father. And third and last, focus on his commission. Focus on his commission. Look with me, verses 36 to 39. Commission, that's verse 36 to 39. Remember, he has disappeared early in the morning to a desolate place praying. And verse 36, we are told, everyone is looking for you. What are the disciples saying? Everyone is looking for you. What are they really saying? Of course, there must be some exaggeration because I don't think everyone was looking for Jesus. In fact, some people wanted to see him disappear. Wanted to see him out of the way, right? Dead. You know, sometimes grace can not be good for some people's business. But what are they, what are, what are they saying is basically this. Jesus, everyone now has your attention. You are gaining momentum. If it was Facebook, he's probably getting more likes than Mark Zuckerberg. This guy, he just posts, man, a few minutes and clock into a million. But that's nothing for Jesus. So the disciples seem to be saying, if ever there was a time to start a movement, it is now. Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And you're in this desolate place. Seize the moment. Let's strike while the iron is hot. We say hot, hot. It's as if they're saying, let's not waste this. But why, why has Jesus come in the first place? What was his mission? Look at with me in verse 38. There's the answer. They thought everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. What's the point? Although he's gaining all this momentum, Jesus will not be distracted. Jesus will not be swayed by popularity. Jesus will not come to make a name for himself. Verse 39, this is what he says. It says, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Here is a man on mission. He's taken to his commission. He has come to seek and save that which was lost. And the primary way of doing this was through preaching. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. I know sometimes even in church you hear, in church, somebody saying, oh, they do these people is preach and preach and preach. They're just preaching, preaching, preaching. But my friends, Christianity that is impatient with preaching is not a Christianity of Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons in that order. The primacy was preaching. There's a mission laid upon him, and he's conscious of that, and that is what is motivating him. That is what is driving him. With the coming of the king, the kingdom has come. You know, there's always temptation uh, with uh, miracles. And I think Jesus will be very handy, right, to have Jesus. Can you imagine? Jesus was uh, a mobile in and out, right? He would just do. When people are hungry, just press one. People are fed. In and out beggars are just falling. It'd be good to have somebody like that, don't you think? But you see, Jesus will not be used by anybody. His compassion, while real and abounding, is not simply a means to deliver us the American dream. Whatever that is. The best life you've always wanted. To make everything just the right. That you may be happy, healthy, and whole. 
Jesus will not be used. Because you see, what you get in the gospel isn't just blessings. You get the, the benefactor. You get himself. And the message Jesus preached wasn't, I can make you whole. The message Jesus preached was, I'll give you myself. And in fellowship with me, you come to know the living God and find your purpose and begin to live under his reign. And if that is true, that's when you become whole. So this withdrawal here, while it seems surprising at first, is really a way for Jesus to ensure that he's not used and manipulated. What is his commission again? I think this is best answered by remembering Jesus Christ is an evangelist. There's a sense which we say Jesus is a great evangelist. And I've never forgot these words uh, by Bethany Lloyd-Jones, the wife of the famous Martin Lloyd-Jones. And this is what she said, and I quote, You never understand my husband until you understand that he was first of all an evangelist. End quote. He wants to, Jesus Christ wants to go to other towns and other villages that he may preach there also. Because he wants people to know him and to trust in him and believe in him. Is that also your commission? Are you on mission with God? As you woke up this morning coming to church, is this something that you are conscious of? It doesn't matter what you may be. You may be like Steve is a fireman or Tony is a fireman. But do you know as you're doing all that, you are on mission with God? That you are to make Jesus Christ known that this is not reserved for the ordained man, the pastors, the deacons, but if you're in Christ, you have also been given not a great suggestion, but a great commission. Has Jesus Christ given you this grace? Let me end with this. I heard about the revival that is going on in some school in Kentucky, right? Is it Asbury College? Right? So, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know what is going on there. But uh, what I know for certain is, if there is revival at GCO, I will know. How will I know? Well... I'm sure your pastor will let me know that the people at Grace Church of Orange are not just simply coming to church. Just coming to church to sit, then you go home. No. But people at Grace Community Church, out of compassion for what Christ has done for them, they're coming to church to do the same for other people. They are coming to encourage their brothers and sisters. They're coming here not as consumers, but as people that are dispensing encouragement to others. They're being compassionate. You know, in a room this size, there are some people that are facing some burdens. And sometimes people can come with those burdens and go back the way they have come. But as people are being compassionate, trying to ask, how are you doing? You know how Americans, how you respond, how are you doing? I'm good. You know you're not good. How are you doing? Good. People begin to care for each other. And church history tells us where there's been real revivals, or at least some revivals, you know, it was actually preceded as a result of what? Guess what? The return of family worship. Men began to take their responsibility seriously to gather their wives, to gather their children, and commune with God. Men, let me just challenge you. Is this what you are doing? That you are setting an example. It doesn't matter how busy you are, but the communion of God is of utmost importance in your home. Taking that seriously. Men, how is your communion of God? Because you're going to set the tone in your home. 
Never forget this. I remember what John Piper said, if men have not been doing this, they only need to know one word. You know what's the word? Let's. Let's. Let's meet. Let's. If there's a revival GCO, there also be a focus on the Great Commission. This is why it's not called a great suggestion. We see Jesus on mission with God. Are you on mission here at GCO? Or are you just a consumer? Wherever you are, whatever vocation God has blessed you with, do you see yourself as being on a mission? That this is not just reserved to the pastors or to those ordained or people on staff, but every member of GCO, they're on mission with God. If they know Jesus Christ, it is their responsibility to make this Jesus Christ known to others. If you're not doing this, maybe the, the reason is simple. You may be in church, but you're not in Christ. If that is you, I'll plead with you, come to Christ today in faith and repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Nobody's promised tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is the devil's day. Today is the Lord's day. Maybe you have come. Maybe you are fleeing from Christ. Come to Christ today. Are you in Christ? Maybe you are. I encourage you. Care for people. Commune with God. And be on mission with God. You will never outgive God. If this is the disposition of your life, you always always gain more than you give. That's a day in the life of Jesus Christ, full of compassion, full of communion of God, prioritizing his time alone of God, and focused on his mission. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, you may help us all to search our hearts as to where we stand with all the blessings you have bestowed upon us the forgiveness of our sins. Help us, Heavenly Father God, to be men and women, boys and girls, who take our time alone with you seriously. Men and women who are not doing things for you without being with you. Lord, I pray whatever we do, you will be the fuel. Help us, God, not to be distracted, but to be on the mission that you have called us to make Jesus Christ known to this dying world. Thank you, Lord God. May it please you, Lord God, to encourage your people. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd stand with us as we sing it close. Jesus bore my every sin. 
up in just a moment and give us an update on Go With Grace. Just a few announcements before this. Please be praying for those we're sending out. Uh, we've got several going to Japan soon. We've also got our Turkey Disaster Relief team that is leaving tomorrow. At a men's event on the 18th of this month. A friend of ours from Kindred will be preaching that day. And then uh, a good friend of mine, Gary Kim, uh, gifted us. He's got a ministry, 316 Publishing, and they gifted us with a lot of 2023 calendars and planners. They're out on the plaza. Take as many as you'd like. They're their gift to us. So, and then today after third hour, we have a, a church luncheon. And Newton and also Sandala Mwanje will be sharing about their ministries as we, uh, as we enjoy some uh, pulled pork sandwiches. Okay, Mark, come on up and give us an update for Go With Grace. So you've probably been wondering, what about that building that's stacked in the corner of the property and then taking up 10 parking, parking spaces? Just want to give you a quick update. Uh, we are so blessed to be making real progress. It's really happening. And um, we are in the second round with the city in the approval process. It's a, it's a long, arduous process. These, so you need to be praying about that. But we're getting close. Probably in the next, I would say, 45 to 60 days, we'll be able to pull a permit. Uh, so you can make that a specific prayer request that we can do that, and the work will be done. Uh, contractors all lined up. We've got bids on almost everything. Um, so keep that in mind and keep that in prayer. Um, we have a team that's continuing to work on it. I just want to let you remind you that's a prefabricated building in the, in the corner over there. It's steel, and uh, we ordered it way early on for a reason. Uh, there was a steel shortage at the time back last May. Uh, there was uh, steel prices were going through the roof and so uh, we locked in our price and uh, we had it delivered early and uh, we think that's a good decision. We're going to save a whole lot of money by having done that that way. Um, we also have an, uh, a lot of equipment that's already, our supplies already been delivered and stored in various places. Uh, so uh, we're thankful for that. Um, and on the finance side, we're so thankful that we have already exceeded, well, early on, the matching gift uh, challenge. and. Uh, People have continued to giving. Uh, our goal by the end of the year is 1.6 million. We have about 1.3 million in hand or already spent. We're going to go over that. Uh, inflation is uh, has its own rules, and uh, so we have to deal with that as we go. But we are so thankful that resources are there. So keep your giving as you have pledged and go beyond. Uh, that's going to be okay. We won't turn you down. So. Um, just want to ask you also to be praying for our, our Go With Grace team with Pat Monroe and Keith Bereskin and uh, Brian Bush and my wife Cindy and uh, Chris Krebs providing administ administrative support. And uh, so we are well on the way and we thank you for your prayer. Pray again for favor with the city. Um, I think that's the biggest thing on my mind right now. And then financial resources, God always provides. And not, don't, we don't need to be anxious about that. Pray for our Go With Grace team that he would pr provide wisdom and, and guidance. So uh, we're going to close our service um, with prayer, and then we're going to be reading from Jude 25, verses 24 
and 25. Lord, we thank you that we can come together today to worship your holy name. Lord, that we have been challenged to be a people who are committed to your commission, committed to your service, Lord, committed to proclaiming the gospel of Christ, committed to serving one another. And Lord, we pray that you would find us a people that are faithful and true. You would find us a people worthy, walking worthy of the gospel of Christ, that we might be, Lord, a people that are equipped for every good work. So, Lord, we commit our time to you. We thank you for the ministry of Newton. We thank you for the ministry of Sandala and pray that you would bless them, Father, in their work that you have committed to them. We commit our day to you, our time to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Sovereign in the mountain air, so